Episode 39, Ask Gretchen Anything. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Well, hi, elite educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. And whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. I'm here to empower you to reach your potential, and I refer to you as elite because only an elite educator would take time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast like this to help hone your craft. So I always like to start by thanking those of you who tune in each week. The reviews are just pouring in and are such a gift to me. So if you enjoy the show, help me by subscribing and leaving a rating with a review. This just tells iTunes to continue pushing out the show, which helps more and more teachers each day. This review comes from J.V. Crumb III, and he entitled it Extra Bonus Time. He said, Gretchen is your teacher. Having grown up in a household with a school teacher mom, I know how much time she spent focusing on creating great plans and then delivering. This podcast is the modern answer to continual education on the fly for teachers. Well, you know, JV, you said something pretty interesting in there. First, you mentioned it's the modern answer. And I do believe that podcasting is the latest platform for gaining information, especially if it's self-improvement or self-interest. You then said continual education on the fly. And That's such an awesome phrase. You should coin that for sure. But you're right. It's like any course that a teacher would take to earn continual credits towards their certification, it just keeps educators up to date on, you know, what's happening in the field of education. And you're right. It is on the fly. It's it's on the go. And you can literally take me anywhere with you. And that's the best part of podcasts. You don't have to get dressed and drive to a location and sit for lengthy periods of time just staring at endless PowerPoints in a room full of strangers. I mean, while you're driving or cleaning or working out, you can just tune in to your favorite show and get empowered. I love providing a modern answer to continual education on the fly. <laughs> I had to steal that, JB. Um, in fact, I even feature this review on my website because I just love the phrasing. It really sums up what I'm trying to do each week. So thanks, JV, for reaching out and sharing your thoughtful review. Well, today I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by answering listener questions that have hit the Always a Lesson inbox over the last few months. And if you do have a question, just shoot me an email. It's Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com. That's G-R-E-T-C-H-E-N. And I'll be sure to answer you personally and then potentially feature you on the next Ask Gretchen Anything show. So hang on. This is going to be one empowering ride. So I get a lot of emails from listeners, and I always respond with a personal message. But then I started thinking exactly how I felt in the classroom. I had my 20 students, but my influence ripple was so small, and I wasn't able to help like I wanted to. And that's what made me get out of the classroom so I could help a teacher who also had 20 and another teacher who also had 20 and another teacher that also had 20. 
And so I want to do the same thing here. Instead of just responding one-on-one, which I'm still going to do, I want to then share the question because I know many of you out there probably have a similar question. And the advice I share could be helpful or what someone else says could be helpful. So I wanted to influence even more people that are in the same position. But I do want to preface by saying I'm not an expert. This is solely my opinion based on my own personal experience. So please don't pretend that this is the gospel and that it's research-based. It's just what I have seen to be helpful. So my podcast is organized into three groups of people. I've got new teachers that I speak life into. I've got teachers that are in distress or transition. And then teacher leaders who happen to come up quite often in in what they need from me. So those are the three listeners that I target. But a lot of people have actually told me they don't fit any of those buckets and they learn a ton. So, hey, that's pretty awesome. But I thought I would organize the questions that I've been getting into those three buckets. Let's get started with new teachers. Alrighty, so our first question is, how do you get a job if principals want to hire an experienced teacher? So I'd suggest you to share your passion and your innovation. So you want them to see what you're going to bring to the table, how you're going to be an asset, and just don't focus on what you can't do, like your lack of experience. Be personable about the school mission and how that you are going to benefit them. So if you're really strong in incorporating technology, that's really big right now. And if you know that's a need at this school, then this principal, though you don't have experience, wants to hire you because you're going to help make a difference. You're that unique factor. You're going to bring something to them that they don't already have. And then just don't give up. The right fit is out there. And you don't want to be at a school that you're not feeling welcomed or you don't feel like you fit in. And so as much as they are seeing if they want to hire you, it's do you want to work at the school? So you might have to look outside your desired area so that you can gain some experience. And then when you're ready or you feel like you have done what you're supposed to or what they're looking for, then apply. And it may just be you need a few years under your belt. The next question is, I'm overwhelmed by everything my district requires me to do. I'm on the struggle bus trying to do it all. What do I do? (laughs) I love the phrase struggle bus. Everyone's been there. I am often overwhelmed by all the requirements from just administrators and then the district and the state. And it's just like, ah. So the fact that you're acknowledging it's overwhelming, that is a great first step. You're not alone. You can reach out to your colleagues who are in the same boat because they're in the same district and school as you, and just ask how they're managing. As a new teacher, just focus on the one thing that you can do that's going to have the biggest impact. So they may want you to run a three-ring circus, but you're not at the skill level yet to do that. You haven't been in the classroom long enough to have those experiences to find your style and your voice and know what it is going to look like to be able to do that. So don't compare yourself to someone who's been teaching a long time and you look in their classroom and you're like, oh my God, how do you do it all? You make it look easy. You've got to just pick one thing and get really good at that one thing and then add something else to your tool belt and then get really good at those two things together and then add a third element. And over time, you're going to be able to do exactly what everyone else is going to do. It just takes time. Anytime you're learning something new, you can't just go out and run a marathon. You've got to put the training and pieces in place so that you can build up your strength to do so. 
So for example, what would stand out to me as something that you might want to focus on is classroom management. So maybe other people in your building are working on incorporating personalized learning. Well, you're not there yet because without your discipline and your structures and systems in place, you can't move to something that is that unique and personalized because it's going to be utter chaos. So you have to do the foundational things first, and that requires you to just hone in. If I were you, I would make a list of all the things that the school or the district or whatever needs you to do. And if it's something like you got to take attendance by 10 a.m., I mean, there's just some things you have to do. But if it's like large initiatives, like a one-to-one technology initiative, plus you got to differentiate, plus this personalized learning, it's a lot. So I would make myself a list and I would number it one to 10, one being like the biggest thing I can do right now, the biggest bang for my buck, and number 10 being like would be nice to do someday. And just keep chugging along and each week look back at that list and see if you can cross something off, meaning you've gotten the hang of it and you're ready to try and add a new piece. You go on to number two and when you feel really good that you've done number one and number two, you move on to number three. And if your principal comes in and is worried that you're not running this three ring circus like your peers, you just say, I am gaining the skills necessary to do that, and I can't wait to show you my plan. So here's what I'm working on currently. I'm struggling at this piece. What What do you suggest from your own experience so that I can move on to number three on my list? And they may give you suggestions of what they've worked on to keep students sitting in their seats or for passing out paper, whatever your current struggle is, you know, ask them. And, and the fact that you're creating this plan in place so that you don't just say, I'm not doing these initiatives right now or ever, but I'm focusing and prioritizing my time on the biggest needs and here's the progression and I can't wait to chat with you next month or week and see how far I've come. And so keeping them in the loop that it's not like, no, I'm not doing what you're asking me to do or what we are just trained on. I am starting small and I'm working on these things. Our last question for new teachers is, my mentor doesn't do anything to help me. I want to ask other people for help, but I don't want to offend her. So what should I do? Well, I think this happens a lot because your administrative team probably paired you up with someone they thought was a really strong leader. But if they teach a different subject or grade level, that makes it extremely hard to relate to each other. Plus, maybe you guys just don't gel, and mentorship is really about relationships. And if you're not drawn to each other, I don't care how smart or experienced someone is, you're not going to be able to benefit from all of that knowledge. So figure out why they're not helping. Maybe they themselves are overwhelmed, or they're struggling to do what's being asked of them, or maybe they don't even know what you need help with. And I'm a firm believer in talking right to the person that you're having a conflict with, so I would be very clear and say, Hey, I need help with blank. What do you do? And you may want to just stop by after school for like two or three minutes and ask one question. Instead of setting up like 30-minute meeting where you go through this whole checklist of what you're supposed to be working on this month, a lot of school districts have it set up that way. Maybe if that person's overwhelmed, they don't want to spend 30 minutes doing that. So if you stop by every day for two or three minutes, they're able to help you in that manner. And maybe at the end of the week, it's added up to 30 minutes, but you've only spent a few minutes here or there. And you're able to ask a very clear question and get a very clear answer. You're also making your needs known because if the problem is they don't know you need help or they don't even know what you need help with, maybe just being that clear is going to be a domino. And then all of a sudden you guys are collaborating and they're sending you resources and giving you things in your mailbox to help you, whatever. Or maybe you still have to go through this every day and and it's a struggle, at which case I would just reevaluate after a month. If you're 
you know, initiating that help and you're being very clear of what you need and, and they're helpful in the moment, but they seem really bothered or overwhelmed, then maybe you suggest after a month, give it some time, hey, I know you're really overwhelmed and I'm so thankful for the time you've taken me, but I know I'm just going to keep coming every day with questions and I don't want to be a bother to you. I'm already talking to a lot of members on my team, so maybe it makes more sense. I could take this off your plate and continue just chatting with so-and-so. And so now they don't feel like you think they're not good enough. You you just know you're going through a lot and I feel so bad that I can keep bothering you with my questions. So kind of you're putting the blame on yourself and, and you're saying, I want to take this off your plate. So now they're seeing the benefit of them instead of like, I don't want to work with you anymore. And they may say, oh, that's fine. And you may have to run that by your principal. Hey, I was chatting with my mentor. I I need a lot of help. I ask questions often and I know they've got a lot going on. So it may make more sense for me to just continue having my daily talks with blank, who I'm already doing that with now. And the principal might say, that's fine. You just by law have to have a mentor. So I don't care at this point. If you found one that's really working for you, then fine. You know, your principal wants you to be successful. So it's not like they're going to make you stay in this relationship if it's not working. But if the mentor is changing and it could be a slow change, then you may have to hang in there. But you're learning a lot about how to be very specific in what you need help with. And that may take some time to know what you don't know to be able to verbalize that. Um, and so you, having your mentor come watch you for just five minutes, they could give you some pointers. Or you go watch your mentor for five minutes and you'll be like, wow, okay, I can totally see now where I need to focus. And, and maybe you have a list and, again, prioritize what, what it is you need to work on. So let's move on to a second group of listeners, the teachers in distress or transition. So the first question is, I make all the necessary changes my principal asks me to do on my observations, but I still get low ratings. What am I supposed to do? You might want to think about doing a pre- and a post-observation conference with your administration or just a facilitator, coach person, or maybe just even your team lead. But a pre-conference would be, hey, I'm getting observed on Tuesday. Um, So on Monday, I want to sit down with you for 10 minutes. Here's my lesson plan. Here's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. My low ratings were here. I think the way I've structured this lesson plan is going to bump me up. What are your thoughts? So the pre-conference is not let's sit and write a lesson plan together to do better on that. You definitely have to put the time in yourself to do it. But it is a time for someone to say, I still think this could be improved. Here's what I might suggest. Or have you thought of rearranging the order of this? Or do you feel good about transitioning from this activity to this activity? It sounds like it could be quite noisy or lengthy or what have you. And then the observation comes. And then after the observation, you debrief and say, like, here's how it went. Here's how I felt it went. Um, or you wait till you get your scores from your administrator and then you talk then. But you want to get the conversation going about improvement. Like, I want feedback. I want to improve. I'm taking what you're sharing with me and implementing it. And if you still feel like they tell me to do this one thing and I'm doing it, I don't understand why they keep telling me to do it again or telling me I'm not doing it right. And for me, it reminds me of when I was in gymnastics as a kid and all I ever wanted to do was flip. And I couldn't understand why I couldn't be with the big kids flipping and doing all the fun stuff. And I had to be over here like stretching and doing forward rolls and handstands and cartwheels. Like that wasn't fun. I wanted to jump in the pit and go on the vault and swing on the bars and do flips like the fun stuff. 
Well, I couldn't do some of those other things until I had the foundational skills ready. And so you may have some things that you need to take care of before you can even tackle whatever it is they're asking, or maybe you're trying and it's just not executed well because you don't have some of these foundational things. And that's why I was suggesting in the previous questions, if you're a newer teacher, being able to really prioritize what you need to work on. And so it could be that you're attempting, like for me, I was trying to flip, but I just wasn't doing it well. So of course they're going to keep giving me feedback on that area. It's not that I'm not trying. I'm just not doing it to the degree it needs to be done to be effective. And so you may just say that to your principal. I think that I'm applying the feedback. I just might not be doing it to the degree that you wish. How could I improve on what I'm, what I'm doing? And get specific. Say, here's what I did in my lesson to address that. What should I have done differently so that I wouldn't have gotten that same feedback or so that I could have been more effective? And you know, ask for them to model it for you. If you cannot conceptualize what they're trying to convey, ask them to model it. Or say, hey, are there some teachers in the building I can go observe doing this so that I can picture what this could look like? Or maybe search some teacher videos online of, of someone doing whatever it is that's being asked of you. And then once you visually see whatever it is you need to implement, just practice. Stand in front of a mirror and practice, practice, practice. you got to build that muscle memory for whatever this skill is that you're trying to implement. So for me, I know when I was getting feedback, a lot of it was on my directions. Like I knew what I wanted kids to do, but the way it was coming out was not (laughs) resulting in what I had wanted. And I thought I was clear. Like I literally would say to myself, I don't know how else I can say it. I mean, that to me makes perfect sense. Like I don't know why you're not getting it. And I'll get so frustrated. But at the end of the day, kids weren't doing what I wanted them to do. So I had to script out the way I wanted to say it. And then I'd say it out loud and say, okay, does this sound like what I mean? And then I would go tell a friend who had nothing to do with the situation and say, based on these directions, what would you do? And they'd describe it. I'd say, no, like I didn't say to do that. And then they'd help me find where the gap was. Um, And so it may be something like that where you just got to practice and you got to write it out and you got to try it different ways until you're starting to see and have the results. And so I really want you to convey to your administration, like, I'm trying, I'm listening, I want to be better, I cannot wait to be effective in this area, I think that there could be a gap in semantics of what you're saying and what I think I'm doing, let's try and get on the same page about what's expected. You really want to share that, you know, you value their experience as the person giving feedback and you're thankful because you don't want them to think, I keep telling this teacher the same thing over and over and over, and they don't implement it. So you want to be very clear that you're trying, and in your mind you think what you're doing, and be specific. I thought when I did this activity I was applying your feedback. You know, how or why is that not effective? My biggest advice here is do not make excuses. Even if you disagree with whatever they're saying, you don't want to be that teacher that's like, no, I'm not going to implement that, or it's your problem, or you are picking on me, or you don't like me, or I can't do that because my kids are bad. Like, just don't even go into the I can't mode, which is kind of what you're saying here. Not you and your question, sorry, what what I'm portraying it to be like. You want to just implement your feedback every time. You want to have a smile on your face. You want them to know you're happy and excited and more than willing to bend over backwards and make this work because you love your kids and you love your job. You know, a principal doesn't want to work with someone who 
refuses to do what they're asking. They want people who are willing to work. And so you want to show them, hey, although I'm not perfect, I'm willing to work. And it's going to take some time. I, for whatever reason, I'm struggling. But I'm going to figure it out. And I'm, I'm a problem solver. I'm not a complainer. And so just keep making sure that your attitude and your behavior showcases that. And even if you're dying on the inside and crying every time you see that observation, like, gosh, you told me to do this again. Like, just keep keep those thoughts in your head and make sure that you're portraying that you're more than willing to keep working on it. The next question is, I work in a school where parents run the place. Oh, goodness. This will be good. Uh, My principal always sides with them to keep them happy. They expect me to bend over backwards to do stuff for them, but honestly, I don't have time, and I don't think I should have to. What would you do? Well, that's definitely a tough situation because parental involvement is so important in a school, especially in a child's education. And I never worked in a school that had high parental involvement. So to me, having that is a blessing. Although you may see it as a curse right now, remember that not every child can benefit from having their parents involved like that. So try and keep that in perspective. I would also say that you know some parents contribute financially to a school and your school is probably one of those that doesn't receive state funding or a district supplement because they don't meet the qualifications to do so. And so they're really dependent on donations or sponsorships from companies and parents to have it running. And so maybe there's some luxuries at the school, whether it's technology or outreach like carnivals or what have you that really brings the community together that the principal doesn't want to lose those those benefits from that particular parent who could be providing the financial gift. And so that's not to say like let that parent like rule the school, but at the same time you do want to step lightly here because you don't want to make this parent get mad and leave the school and then you're in the hole for a huge financial investment. So I would talk to a veteran at your school and see how they have dealt with this in the past. And many of them are probably going to say, I just do what they want, so they leave me alone. But that's not what I would suggest you do. I think that there's a great way to compromise. And you can appease the parent without you, like, losing your mind and and working double time. So let's say a parent came to you and said, like, hey, I want a detailed report card for Johnny that outlines every standard and every assignment he ever had and lists many strategies on how to get better. And you're thinking to yourself, you want a 20-page report for one child. Like, I don't have time to do what is required of me in one day, let alone this. Like, are you kidding? So instead of just saying no or saying I can't, I would say, you know what I can do. So that is your phrase of, of compromise. Like, I can't do what you're asking. But what I can do, since I do have a class of 20 students and I have to make sure I'm also completing all that's required of me in my duties every day. I don't mind giving you a list of three areas to focus on. And maybe next quarter we can reconvene and I could give you three more. But this right now is going to be what I'm available and able to do for you. And so here you're saving time. You're giving the parent what they need in the moment. They want Basically, they want to know where their child is, needs help. And so you're saying, hey, instead of doing a report on with all those details, I'll just pick the three that I know are his areas of weakness, give you as much information as I can, and call it a day. And I would even let the principal in on this because I know I had a principal that said, 
just never leave me in the dark. If a parent is complaining about something, let me know as soon as possible of all the scenarios, all the documentation, all the interaction so that I can uh, handle it when the call comes in. And so you may say to your principal, hey, this is what this parent wanted. I just cannot do that and everything else I have to do. But I did think of a great compromise. I gave them the top three. Just wanted you to be aware. And so now you've got everyone you know, on the same page. And hopefully those parents now respect you and say, okay, I can't push this teacher over. I can't make them do everything I want. They did hear me and they did accommodate me. So that should appease them for the time being. All right. My last question for teachers in distress or transition. I hate my school. It's negative. The kids are off the wall. The administration is angry and yelling all the time. I can't teach here. I have to get out. I'm scared to interview anywhere because my principal will be so angry. And if I don't get a job elsewhere, they are going to make my next year a living hell. Sending out an SOS. (laughs) Well, I love that you included sending out an SOS because that was a past episode. So I know you're listening. Um, But I've been there too where it's just a toxic environment. But it definitely sounds like you're ready for a transition. And remember, without risk, there is no reward. So if you're standing on the edge of your ship wanting to jump and, and trying to figure out what's going to happen, what's the result of that, you're never going to know. You just got to jump and figure it out once you land. You may have to think outside your district or the area that you're teaching in because you don't want to get hired at another school that's so similar you're, you're in the same conflict. So if it's that the students that you're teaching are a lot of stress on you, then you don't want to go to a nearby school that would serve the same type of students. Or like we were just talking about parents, if it's high parental involvement and you just need a break from that, then you want to look outside a different area. Or if it's just the way the district is structured, then you don't want to remain in the district. You're you're never getting rid of the problem. So really be thoughtful about where you're choosing to work. And when you're interviewing at different positions, ask the principal about these areas that are concerned. So if it's about administration and the way that they lead a school, then ask something that lets you know about their style of leadership or if it's that the culture is toxic. Ask a question that will let you know that it's definitely going to be a change of pace and scenery. I definitely wouldn't mention anything to your administrative team unless you know a school is seriously interested in you to the point that they're going to reach out or call them for a reference because you don't want to create the situation that you're fearful of that you're now going to have a rift in the relationship with your current administration, especially if you're just interviewing or sending out resumes and either not getting called back or you're not really getting that feeling during the interview that it's a good fit or that they're going to call you back. I wouldn't alert them until you absolutely need to. And I would even tell the hiring school if you're feeling like the interview is going really well and they may offer you the position, just say, I haven't informed my principal yet. So before you reach out, just let me know and I can make sure that they're hearing from me first. And then they may respond and say, well, I'm going to contact them by the end of the week. And that lets you know, okay, I got to go tell my principal today. And then when it comes time for that awkward conversation, just tell your principal, you know, I wanted to give you a heads up that I found a school that is really big on blank and Since that's a big interest of mine, I sent over my resume to be considered and say something like, I'm looking forward to growing in this area and just wanted to give you a heads up that they may contact you. So now the principal knows it's not that you're just jumping ship for any opportunity, but 
this school is known for XYZ and that is the area that you cannot wait to get better in and you can't do that at your current school because that's not their focus right now. And so it makes it less personal. It's like, oh, this is really going to help me become great with implementing technology or with personalized learning or what have you. Something that you know your current school is not working on. All right. Well, for our last category of listeners, those leaders, I have three questions to discuss with you. So the first one is, I am an instructional coach in my building. My position is getting eliminated due to financial issues. I do not want to go back to teaching because I fell in love with helping teachers. What are my options? Well, that is the hard thing about positions like this because administration uses a pot of money and creates this non-traditional position. And unfortunately, because of that, and it's not a traditional role like a teacher, that it can come and go depending on that pot of money. Or if principals aren't feeling that they're seeing the return on their investment, they're going to use that pot of money for something else, a different initiative the following year. And so just having that in the back of your mind is probably healthy so that when something like this happens, you're not totally shocked or your dreams aren't blown up like, oh, I wanted to stay here for 10 years. Like you knew when you signed on that this is kind of a temporary, we're going to see how this goes type project. So just ask what happened so that you get a better sense of the way that the school is structured. And when you're interviewing at other schools, they may ask you. So it's good to just have that background knowledge. And your principal is going to be honest with you and say, you know, we aren't able to see the results we had hoped for, so we're going to try and implement something different next year. And if they truly felt that you were a great asset and great at your job, they're going to want to help you find your next job. They don't want you to be out of a job. And they may suggest going back to the classroom to stay at the school, and like you mentioned, you don't want to do that. So you may ask, do you know principals in the district that have this position or someone that's willing to create the position and let the principal use some of their context to give you some suggestions, you know, not get you the job, but say, Hey, I know such and such is, has the same position and you should go interview over there. And so then maybe you send your resume, but your principal, especially if you've done a great job is going to want to help you be successful. And so they're going to be more motivated to ensure that you aren't out of this job that you love so much. So you might have to look outside your district Or maybe you decide you want to do this on your own. So look at your own finances. You could become a consultant of some sort. You could present at conferences and and give speeches or make resources for Teachers Pay Teachers or write books or coach virtually. I mean, the opportunities are endless because you are your own boss now. Um, But that, again, depends on your own financial situation. You may have to still work part-time, you know, substitute teaching or tutoring or something to keep some constant money coming in, but that could also be an option for you if you just really didn't want to go back to the classroom and there weren't any openings for a coach position. Or if you know of a school you'd love to work at and you know they don't have a coach yet, you could just write the principal and share very specifically how this position has better teachers and and students and see if they're willing to experiment and try it out for you. And you don't know their financial welfare, so it's hard for you to say, use your money for me, but you could suggest this opportunity, and and they may bite if if they truly feel like it's going to help them. And again, you really got to know the school and their mission so that it would align. And and as I mentioned in other questions, you know, really share how you can be an asset. You want them to see how they will be transformed for the better by working with you. 
Then do all the other normal things when you're job hunting. You know, post your resume on all sorts of sites. Ask on social media for referrals. The great thing now is you're open to the world. So if you're open to relocation, someone in another state may have some suggestions for you. Or it may be totally different. And if you're willing to try something new, it may not be a coaching role, but maybe there's a need a school has and you can help. So it's not the ideal position. I can't even think of maybe what that would be, but... Maybe there's something that the school can offer you that's not your ideal job, not exactly what you want to do, but it doesn't put you back in the classroom and could be some great experience to do coaching in another year and it buys you some time to keep searching. So kind of be open-minded about what's on the horizon for yourself. The next question for leaders is, I have a student teacher, a second-year teacher that I mentor, and six other teachers on my team that I have to help. Whoa, that's a lot. Uh, She says, don't get me wrong. I'm happy I get to do that. But honestly, I don't know how. I'm teaching, and when I'm not, I'm at meetings. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I can totally agree. I'm not laughing at you, by the way, but I'm just like, yes, this this happens all the time. So by the end of the day, we're all so exhausted, and we don't bother getting together to talk about where we need help. I'm feeling guilty that everyone I'm supposed to be helping is not getting any help at all. Do I just suck it up and do what I can, or do I talk to my admin team about how being in a classroom makes it hard to help all of these teachers? I don't want them to think I'm not up to the job, but I mean, it's almost impossible. What would you do? First of all, I want to acknowledge you have a lot on your plate for sure. Goodness gracious. And it's hard to help when you're teaching at the same time. That was exactly the boat I was in when I was in my eighth year teaching my last year in the classroom is I wanted to help teachers. And it's so hard to help a teacher when you're teaching at the same time. You can't get in their classroom and see things live. It's so different than just meeting after school to talk about something. You can really see a lot. So I know what exactly what you're going through. So you definitely have to lean on your principal here. And I'm going to tell you why. So Looking at your schedule, your principal's going to have to help you find some relief time. So if you're in the elementary level, maybe they can allow you not to have recess or lunch duty so you can meet with your student teacher or go visit other classrooms or prepare um, some presentation you're giving to the staff, whatever that leadership roles are. If you're in middle school or high school, maybe you can talk to your administration about giving you another prep period the next semester so that you can go you know, take on these leadership roles. You want them to know you're interested. You don't want the opportunities to be given to someone else because the principal may think that. If you're complaining, well, I'll find someone else who will do the job. And you don't want to get reassigned you know, someone for your mentee or You don't want them to say you're just taking on too much. They may say, though, you don't have to help your team as much, even though you're team leader. You don't need to feel like you need to really improve them. You just need to kind of communicate what admin wants you to communicate. So maybe they'll cut you some slack there. But, you know, they may also see from your perspective and realize it's hard and are willing to accommodate you. So what I do suggest is when you're meeting with them, because you can't do it without them, they're going to be the ones approving this extra free time that you're asking for, but come up with a solution so you're not just complaining. Um, So maybe it is that you don't have any duties or maybe it is an extra prep period or whatever it may be, but bring solutions to the table and then say, you know, hey, I absolutely love being a leader. I'm just struggling to find time to do it all. Um, And I want to be really effective to help these people. So here's what I'm thinking I could do. And I just need your support or to talk through some options. Okay, so last question. I want to take on more leadership in my building, but I don't know where to start. Any ideas would be appreciated. So first, start in your classroom by empowering your students so that they can be leaders. Like, 
setting up procedures and systems that you once led and now students can lead. So passing papers or greeting students at the door or something minor where you can start having students lead those activities and you can focus more on your students' individual needs. And eventually your administration is going to notice that you set up these structures and systems to allow for student growth. And when they compliment you on that, you can mention how you want to help transform teachers in the same way. And so you kind of put that bug in their ear that what you've set up in terms of empowering students, you plan to do and want to do for the staff. Or you can be more blunt about it and ask to present at staff meetings and do trainings in areas of your expertise. And if you feel like, I don't want, I'm not good at any anything, I'm not even sure what to offer, then start thinking about what are you interested in and then do research on the internet or talk to other teachers about that specific thing and that will become soon your area of expertise. Some other ideas, you can start a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel and that's where you can share all of your advice and strategies with other teachers. If you overhear a teacher asking for help on something, jump in and be seen as someone who's willing to bring value to the group and willing to help. Um, Or just ask around the school, does anyone need help with blank? You know, be very specific about what it is that you're really good at, like setting up a a self-running center or checking homework in in under 10 seconds or, or something that you know is a big need in your school that some teachers may not have thought of. Even ask your principal if you can have a student teacher. And if they feel like you're not ready for one, then ask what's required of you to have that type of leadership. And so for me in my district, you had to be teaching at least three years. And so maybe you haven't taught that long, um, but maybe it's something else that your principal's really looking for. And so you want to know what that is. So you can start working on that. And if they tell you, then find a teacher who is doing that and ask if they can kind of mentor you so you can start showcasing your skills in that way. But maybe you've done cooperating teaching for student teachers and you've done mentorships and you've presented at conferences and staff meetings. So maybe you're just ready to move out of the classroom. Maybe you've done all that you can do while still being in the classroom. And so suggestions that I've made previously about, you know, getting a coaching job and then also avoiding (laughs) having too much leadership in the classroom that makes you feel strapped. Go back and listen to some of those suggestions. I think that might be helpful for you. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on Ask Gretchen Anything. I appreciate you reaching out and asking for advice because I know it's empowering for everyone to listen to what you're facing and then just brainstorming ways to overcome those obstacles so that you can get your groove back. So if you do have a burning question, shoot me an email, Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com. That's G-R-E-T-C-H-E-N. And I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is sponsored by the Educators Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.